Welcome to This Week in Astrology. This is episode number 382 for the week of September 22nd, 2014. This Week in Astrology is the free podcast that deepens your astrological wisdom. We always start with the coming week's astrological forecast and regularly feature listener emails, recorded listener consultations, and interviews with other astrologers. Make This Week in Astrology a regular part of your astrological education. Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Benjamin Bernstein, broadcasting from the virtual location of thisweekinastrology.com and the physical location of Asheville, North Carolina. We have a long show for you this week. We're going to start with the forecast for the next seven days and a preview of the following week. And then our special feature is going to be the fall equinox chart for 2014 with a main emphasis on how you as an individual person can use it and also a little bit of look at how the United States fall equinox chart might be playing out for the next three months. Plus, I'll be announcing the name of the winner of our free consultation giveaway that we do every time the seasons change and that name will be spoken sometime during this podcast. So listen up to see if it's yours. So that wraps up our introduction. Let's now dive into the forecast. Adventurous Joy, broadcast by a delightful Mars-Jupiter-Uranus Grand Trine, is this week's headline. The fall equinox, a Libra new moon, and a revolutionary Sun-Uranus-Pluto T-square also share the spotlight. So, what's old this week before we get into our individual days? We've got a waning moon. The Thor's hammer I discussed last week with Mars, Juno, and Neptune is persevering through September 23rd, and we still have three retrograde planets, Neptune, Chiron, and Pluto, but... Not for long on Pluto, as you will see in a moment. So, with that overview in place, let's move to our individual days of the week. On Monday, September 22nd, Pluto turns direct. I told you. <laughs> Pluto's been retrograde since April 14th and is stationing direct today. This gives fresh energy to activities such as transformation, research, and detective work. Occult practices, sacred sexuality, and joint ventures are also energized. Pluto's stationing at Capricorn, 10 degrees, 59 minutes. Round that to 11 if you like. Life themes represented by your sensitive natal points between 8 and 14 degrees in the cardinal signs. Those are Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn. will feel Pluto's effects with special power now. This is because transiting planets are most powerful when they change directions. In the affected life areas, release everything that doesn't support your positive transformation. The more you're willing to serve as a divine instrument guided by your intuitive wisdom, the more Plutonian power you will receive. Next, the sun enters Libra, creating the fall equinox. This happens uh, here on Monday, September 22nd at 1029 p.m. Eastern. This heralds the fall equinox and the energies of relating, creativity, balance, and equilibrium. This ends the annual six-month spring-summer cycle of yang expansion and ushers in the six-month fall-winter cycle of yin contraction, reflection, and contemplation. On Tuesday, September 23rd, we open with Mercury quintile Jupiter, Mercury 27 Libra, Jupiter 15 Leo. 
Thought and communication can receive special inspiration with Mercury quintile Jupiter. With Mercury in Libra, creative writing and other fruits of the muse receive a special sprinkling of fairy dust. Then some lunar events come into play. There's a moon-Venus conjunction here on September 23rd at around 8.15 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. That's a lovely time for balance, harmony, equilibrium, all the things I just described with the Libra uh, sign change of the sun. And, of course, creativity and relating are also supported with a moon-Venus conjunction just for a few hours either side. The void moon takes place at 8.15 a.m. on September 23rd. And we'll get the resolution of that momentarily. Uh, Next up, a major aspect, Jupiter quincunx Chiron. Jupiter, 15 Leo. Chiron, 15 Pisces. You may experience more emotional triggering with Jupiter quincunx Chiron through October 4th. If so, this healing invocation may help you clear what's coming up to be released. And it's a seven-word healing invocation shortcut. Just speak to your higher self and say, Maximum healing that serves highest good, please. Passively rest in breath awareness. Keep coming back to breath each time you notice you're not there. And you may very well feel a shower of cleansing energy come over you and wash away whatever it is that got stirred up by the trigger. Or you might adjust your schedule to accommodate more healing and mentoring activities. This mentoring might focus on the Jupiterian themes of religion, philosophy, and the meaning of life. Or with Jupiter and Leo, you might choose to fine-tune your skills as a leader or entertainer. As always, the ways in which you choose to partner with the planetary energies are up to you. The last event here on Tuesday, September 23rd, is the resolution of the void moon. The moon enters Libra, (laughs) well, at 11.59 p.m. and 20 seconds U.S. Eastern Time. Barely made the cut for Tuesday. 40 seconds to spare. So the moon in Libra, I've been using Libra archetypes quite a bit already. What are they? Uh, let's see, relating, creativity, harmony, balance, equilibrium. You're probably getting them memorized by now. And that's it for Tuesday. On Wednesday, September 24th, the big events keep on coming. We've got a new moon in Libra. It's happening at 2.14 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time at 1 degree, 7 minutes Libra. New beginnings in, you're memorizing them, remember? Relating, creativity, balance, and equilibrium are supported. As far as aspects go, this lunation's loose conjunction to Venus further reinforces all of the Libran themes just mentioned. A tight semi-square from Ceres, that's a 45-degree aspect, invites reflection on how much your self-esteem is affected by others rather than self-determined. And a semi-square from Jupiter amplifies this new moon's power while adding a caution not to overextend yourself pursuing its themes. This lunation's Sabian symbol The light of the sixth race transmuted to the seventh is about opening into a new level of unity consciousness. See what happens when you order up the following. Maximum unity consciousness that serves highest good, please. Say that to your higher self. Rest in passive breath awareness and watch what happens. On Thursday, September 25th, we have a moon palace Athena conjunction that's happening around 2.15 p.m., U.S. Eastern Time, a little bit of accentuation for a few hours of Pallas Athena's themes of feminine assertiveness, strategic planning, and practical creativity. Then another major aspect, Jupiter trine Uranus. Jupiter, 15 Leo, Uranus, 15 Aries. Breakthroughs in your religious or philosophical worldview, along with quantum leaps in your joy capacity, are being intuitively transmitted with Leonine Jupiter trine Uranus. 
Are you creating enough quiet time in your consciousness to receive these divine blessings? This aspect peaks today, Thursday, September 25th, and it lasts through November 8th. On Friday, September 26th, Mercury quintile Pluto. Mercury, 29 Libra, Pluto, 11 Capricorn. A powerful amplification of mental creativity is available under this aspect. Then we're going lunar for a bit. We have a moon-mercury conjunction that's kicking in around 8.45 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, a few hours either side of nice mental stimulation. Then we have a void moon, which is actually triggered by that moon-mercury conjunction. Let's call that kicking in at 8.38 a.m. also. Then we have the resolution of the void uh, pretty promptly. Less than two hours later, the moon enters Scorpio at 10.30 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And the moon in Scorpio is lovely for diving deep into transformative practices, occult activities, sacred sexuality, uh, financial stuff that like to do with taxes and inheritance and insurance. Yes, that is Scorpio territory. Um, intense joining of energies between you and another person. Lots of ways to use Scorpio. Very versatile sign. Then we have an aspect pattern, a grand trine with Mars, Jupiter, and Uranus. Uh, adventurous action, intuitively inspired and joyfully executed, is energized by this grand trine. It has Sagittarian Mars, Leonine Jupiter, and Arian Uranus. This delightful aspect pattern begins today, here on September 26th. It peaks on October 6th, and it ends on October 12th. Saturday, September 27th, Venus, Quintal, Mars. Venus, 27 Virgo, Mars, 9 Sagittarius. Creative magic is in the air with this aspect. This energy can also add a special zest to relationships. With Venus in Virgo, you can receive inspiration on how to fine-tune your creativity and relationships. Next here on Saturday, Mercury enters Scorpio. It's going to turn retrograde, by the way, on October 3rd, and it's going to backpedal into Libra once again, just came out of that sign, on October 10th. While the winged messenger is in Scorpio, your mind may more naturally focus on areas such as, and here comes some of those Scorpio keywords again, transformation, sacred sexuality, occult practices, and personal transformation. And as I just mentioned, this is also a good time to focus on financial themes such as joint resources, taxes, insurance, and investments. Our final event here on Saturday, September 27th, is a moon series conjunction. That's around 8.45 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. A wonderful time to focus on the series themes of value, release and return, mother-daughter relationships, and abundance. On Sunday, September 28th, a moon-Saturn conjunction happens very early in the morning, around 12.45 a.m. This is a time to get serious and maybe a little hermit-like. Or maybe you could get really productive, and if you're feeling a little moody or depressed, which can happen when Saturn makes aspects like this, uh, ask the depression if it has a message for you. One cool thing you can do is do the empty chair technique. Sit an empty chair across from you, sit down in the chair you're in, and say, hello, depression, welcome, have a seat, what's your message? And if you're actually willing to listen to it, oftentimes, once it delivers the message, the depression will go away. Now, I'm not talking about serious clinical depression here, but the kind of moderate to mild depression that a lot of people get. So try that sometime when you're feeling a little moody. Ask the depression, what's your message? And see if it doesn't go away once it delivers it. Next up, a Sun-Neptune quincunx. Sun, 5 Libra. Neptune, 5 Pisces. 
Divine union practices and expressing your inspired creativity are excellent ways to use a Sun-Neptune quincunx. Focus on these areas if you find yourself tempted by Neptune's darker themes of substance abuse, excessive escapism, or aimlessness. Next up, we have a few lunar events. A Moon-Vesta conjunction amplifies the energy of sacred service to a higher cause and possibly the energy of sacred sexuality. Then a void moon kicks in at 4.31 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, and that moon resolves its void status when the moon enters Sagittarius at 6.51 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. The moon in Sagittarius is wonderful for uh, exuberant, positive, outgoing emotions like uh, enthusiasm, joy, celebration, great for focusing on religion or philosophy or the meaning of life or uh, interest in foreign cultures or travel. All those are strong Sagittarian themes. And the feeling of life is a quest and an adventure. We also have an aspect pattern today, a T-square with the Sun, Uranus, and Pluto. You're being offered a core personality upgrade by this aspect pattern, connecting the Sun with the multi-year Uranus-Pluto square. How much revolutionary ego transformation are you ready to embrace? With the sun in Libra, it may serve you to release or minimize contact with people who are not actively supporting your positive personal transformation. It's also a great time to plunge into radical, no-holds-barred creative expression. In all these areas, personal transformation, relating, and creativity, dump the excess baggage that's keeping you in stale old patterns and trust your intuitive flashes to guide you. This Sun-Uranus-Pluto T-square starts today meaning September 28th, it peaks on October 5th, and it ends on October 9th. And that's all for this week's events. Looking ahead to next week's show, we're going to talk about Mercury turning retrograde, a Sun-Pluto square. Mars is going to be squaring Chiron and trining Uranus. Venus will enter Libra and quincunx Neptune. There will be a Saturn-Series conjunction and three new aspect patterns, another T-square involving Uranus and Pluto. This time Venus comes up into the third position. Uh, the kite that we've already talked about with Mars, Jupiter, and Uranus gains the sun as a kite point, adding energy. And we're also going to look at a Thor's hammer with Mars, Juno, and Chiron. So another juicy week. I hope you'll tune in so that I can share with you the most life-affirming ways to use these astrological forces. You can hear my weekly forecast every week on This Week in Astrology. But would you also like to get a free, concise version in writing? How about having it pop into your inbox every week? How about occasional bonus articles on astrology, healing, spiritual awakening, and more? That's what you'll get with Astro Shaman's free weekly email newsletter. To subscribe, go to astroshaman.com. You'll see the newsletter sign-up form near the top of the sidebar. And if you like to calculate your own astrology charts, why not use the world's leading Windows astrology software and get it for the lowest price available? Astroshaman is an authorized dealer for SolarFire Gold, which can also run on your Mac. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Solar Fire Software from the drop-down menu. A free weekly forecast newsletter and the best available price on Solar Fire Gold. Two great reasons to visit astroshaman.com right now. I have a few announcements for you. Somewhere in this section of the show, too, I will announce the winner of the free consultation that I give away every time the seasons change. And, of course, the sun is moving into Libra this week. So listen up for your name. <laughs> I'd like to thank the uh, people who sent in their charts this week, including Sharon, Nancy, Brian, Beth, and Laura. 
you are and remain eligible for free consultation drawings, as well as having your chart used in part one of the show. Information on everything that follows is in the What's New section of the homepage of astroshaman.com, at least everything that's an event. Um, I've already begun incorporating some of the improvement suggestions that were sent in recently. Uh, I'm now giving coordinates in the written forecast, and uh, I'm continuing my elimination of standalone yesterday, today, and tomorrow references. I'm always given the date, so there won't be any confusion about that. A few events upcoming. Uh, Walk-up astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation. I'll be doing those at Crystal Vision's Weave the Web Festival. Uh, Saturday, September 27th, about a week away as I record this, near Asheville, North Carolina. Um, shortly after that, in October 3rd and 4th, I will be at the Coptic Conference, the Asheville Coptic Conference, doing reduced rate astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation by appointment. You can see the site for how to book that. Um, and if you're going to the Leaf Festival in Black Mountain, that's October 17 through 19, I'll be doing walk-up astrology and shamanic healing there, as well as a shamanic awakening session on Saturday in the Sky Tent at 9 a.m. if you happen to be at the festival. As always, I'm doing weekly YouTube video forecasts with chart graphics. My Tuesday night shamanic awakening meetup is always accessible by phone from 7.15 to 9 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. It's by Love Offering. And, oh, I have a free session winner. It's Marilyn. This is the Marilyn born July 25th, 1952, 10.28 p.m. in Stoneham, Massachusetts. So if that's you, you have two weeks to contact me, info at astroshaman.com, to claim your free session. Congratulations, Marilyn. This week's special feature is a look at the fall equinox chart for 2014. Most of my time on this is going to be spent discussing it at a personal level. Um, what do the next three months mean for you, and how can you use these energies individually? And after that, I will talk a little more globally and particularly as it relates to the United States chart. What this means is that initially I'll be working without houses, so just the planets and the signs and the aspects. So uh, an equinox chart or a solstice chart is basically a snapshot of the energy at the moment the sun enters that cardinal sign, in this case Libra. Um, and what the chart shows is just an overview of the general flavor of the next three months. Obviously, this is additionally colored by the specific transits that happen during this period, but a pure uh, solstice or equinox chart analysis just looks at the chart itself. So just for the record, this chart is for September 22nd, 2014 at 1029 p.m., uh, the moon enters Libra actually between, between 1029 and 1030 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time. And when we get to the houses part, I have run the chart for Washington, D.C., but again, most of my discussion will not involve houses. Before we get to the horoscope itself, I want to talk about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, so to speak. Um, there is a powerful station of Pluto, which um, turns direct one hour and 53 minutes before the sun enters Libra, and to have a outer planet stationing pretty much at the moment of the uh, movement of the sun into the cardinal sign is a very powerful message. Uh, again, it is turning direct, so Pluto means transformation, death and rebirth. My typical metaphors for Pluto are the phoenix burning to ash and resurrecting, the snake shedding its skin, the caterpillar turning into a butterfly. So uh, the beginning of transformation, since it just turned direct, is a very powerful theme of the entire fall period. 
Um, so any Plutonian activity you feel called to do, whether that's occult practices or shamanic ceremonies or just whatever helps you shed the old that doesn't serve you anymore and put new power into the things that move your evolution and transformation to the next level are supported. One of those Plutonian themes is also supported by the moon phase of this uh, fall equinox chart. The moon is balsamic, which means it is just coming up and about to make a new moon. Uh, in this case, the moon is around 17 Virgo, and of course the sun is at zero Libra at this moment, so the moon is only about 13 degrees off the new moon, and the moon moves about 12 degrees a day, so the moon's slightly more than 24 hours off the new moon here. So the balsamic phase is the release phase. Balsamic says, hey, we're finishing a, a journey. It's time to jettison all the old baggage before we make the new start. Um, so again, the same theme I talked about with Pluto, which is release everything that doesn't serve you, is reiterated by the balsamic moon. Release and let go of everything that does not serve you uh, during this fall quarter. When we look at the modes and elements of the chart, um, we see a very heavy emphasis on mutability and air. Um, now, these weightings do take into account the angles, so um, I guess that skews it a bit, but still, um, when I look at my modalities, I've got uh, mutable 11, cardinal 7, fixed 5, so mutable is about as strong as the other two put together. Well, So the emphasis on mutability means adapt, change, be loose and flexible. The element that's strongest in the chart is air. Um, uh, clear winner. The, the weighted scores are air 11, fire 4, earth 6, water 2. So with or without the angles, um, air takes a commanding lead um, in the weighted scores. So when we take the sign that's created by mutable air, that becomes the energy of Gemini. And interestingly, there's not a single Gemini planet in the horoscope. Um, it does have Gemini rising when we put the houses back in, but uh, it often is the case that the sign that is most dominant by taking the strongest mode and the strongest element of a chart and figuring out what sign that is often does not have a lot of planets in it, which is the case here. So again, with mutability and error, error is intellect. Uh, it's saying have a flexible mind is the key message here. Be open to new ideas and adaptable in that way. So those are most of the behind-the-scenes things. The last behind-the-scene I want to bring out is the chart shape. I'm not sure I've ever talked about this chart pattern before, but it's a locomotive. A locomotive chart pattern says there's one planet that's in the lead and the others are just trailing behind it like railroad cars. And in this case, the lead planet is Jupiter. Um, Jupiter is in Leo, and all the other planets kind of trail behind it. We think of the planets as moving um, clockwise, because that's where they rise toward the ascendant. And Jupiter in Leo leading the locomotive first says Jupiter is hope and inspiration and optimism and joy and enthusiasm. Um, and in Leo, it says, get out there in the spotlight. Leo is about the king or the entertainer. And it's saying, when you go forward in an optimistic, hopeful, bright and shiny way, you'll make a good use of all of this energy. So that's the behind the scenes stuff. Now let's move to the horoscope itself. Um, just as an overview, um, uh, let me just uh, take it by the big themes instead of giving you uh, planetary placements independently. One of the really striking things about this chart is 
uh, how many unaspected or almost unaspected planets there are. Uh, and when I use this term, I'm speaking of a Ptolemaic aspect to something through Saturn. And if you don't already know, the Ptolemaic aspects were the ones defined by Ptolemy in his classic astrology book, Tetra Biblios, hundreds of years ago. Uh, and they are the conjunction, two planets together, the opposition. They're right across a circle from each other, 180 degrees. The trine, a 120-degree aspect. The square, the 90-degree aspect. And the sextile, which is a 60-degree aspect. And um, the... Mercury and Mars are both unaspected by this definition, and the Sun itself is nearly unaspected. It has a loose conjunction to Venus, but um, actually no Ptolemaic aspects of any kind to anything, even if it's uh, beyond Saturn other than that. So with three out of five personal planets, either technically unaspected or nearly so, uh, this says that there's a lot of room for change and flexibility. An unaspected planet is either very powerful because it has nothing holding it back, so to speak, no other planets restraining it, or it's a real wimp because it has no support from the other planets. So uh, in charts, I've seen planets function both ways. So the themes uh, brought up by these planets, the sun is you, the core of ego, um, saying you can shine your vitality in a variety of ways with an unaspected sun during this fall equinox chart. Mercury is also unaspected by this classical definition, and it repeats a theme we've already seen. Uh, we've already talked about the, the sign and mode, I'm sorry, the element and mode of the chart uh, kind of adding up to Gemini, and the ruler is Mercury. Here's Mercury unaspected, again, saying flexible thinking. And Mars is unaspected as well, saying the action you take um, could be flexible. Um, you're less restrained in your thinking and your action with this fall equinox chart. In other words, you have more possibilities than you might have thought. So let's now get into some of the key um, things of the chart. Since the equinox chart is determined by the sun, because it is the sun entering Libra that determines the chart, it's always good to look at sun aspects. In this case, uh, the only Ptolemaic aspect is actually to Venus, uh, the conjunction to Venus, who is over in Virgo is an orb of about eight and a half degrees. And Venus mostly has the same energy as Libra does. Venus is the ruler of Libra. So the key themes that come out here are relationship and creative expression, as well as uh, harmony and balance. Um, so those are strong themes for the quarter that you might want to focus on. Um, really, the only other significant aspect the sun makes is a semi-sextile to Jupiter. I said that wrong, actually. It's a semi-square, 45 degrees. And Jupiter tends to amplify and expand. Under Now, a, a semi-square of 45 degrees is considered a minor hard aspect. So it's usually uh, associated with irritation. Um, but um, So there could be a slight tendency toward overdoing it or, you know, putting too many fingers in the pie, so to speak, or baking too many pies, or whatever metaphor you want to use for overdoing it is a possibility with a minor hard aspect from Jupiter. But at the same time, the meaning of the planets themselves are ultimately more important than the aspect itself. So the things I mentioned about Jupiter earlier, you know, embracing joy and expansion and enthusiasm, and some of Jupiter's classic meanings natally could also come into play. Maybe this is a great quarter to focus yourself on your religion or your spiritual path or 
your philosophy of life, uh, maybe a good time to learn from other cultures and other ways of being are all great ways to use Jupiter energy or maybe expand your education. Uh, certainly engaging with other cultures will expand your horizons in a big way. So those are the main sun aspects. We'll be right back with the rest of the fall equinox chart analysis. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Far more than you might expect, thanks to the Time Passages Natal Report. This is by far the best natal computer report I have ever seen. It provides an extraordinary depth of interpretation with a consistently positive tone. A computer report can never replace a human astrologer, but the Time Passages Natal Report will provide you with a wealth of insights into your natal chart. It can also serve as a great introduction to astrology or help anyone understand themselves better. I was amazed at how much I learned about myself from its insightful interpretations. The Time Passages Natal Report also makes a unique and affordable gift for all occasions. To learn more or place your order, visit astroshaman.com. From there, click on Products in the menu bar and choose Computer Reports from the drop-down menu. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. How much valuable astrological information can you get for just $15? Order your risk-free Time Passages Natal Report and find out. The moon is always worth a look. The moon is in Virgo, uh, actually more conjunct Venus than the sun is. The moon and Venus have about a four-degree orb. So a moon in Virgo, which is my natal placement, so I definitely know how moon in Virgo operates, at least for me, saying that emotionally you'll take a great deal of satisfaction from serving, a classic Virgo meaning, and also from um, having things detailed and lined up as appropriate. And also um, focusing on health would be great. Um, and health in relationships, balanced, healthy relationships of service. That's a moon-venus thing that comes up with both in Virgo. Uh, that's, to me, a message that be careful to not be involved in relationships that are not balanced. If uh, you're either taking too much or giving too much, and if you ain't getting as good as you're giving and giving as good as you're getting, uh, might be nice to focus on rebalancing that and you'll have lots of support during the fall quarter with a Moon-Venus conjunction in Libra for that. Uh, the Moon conjunct Venus ultimately is calling for harmony and balance. Uh, a couple of other Moon aspects might be a little more challenging. In this fall equinox chart, the Moon is uh, fairly tightly opposing Chiron and fairly tightly making a quincunx to Uranus. Chiron is about wounding and healing, and... Um, Uranus is about radical paradigm shift. So uh, there could be some emotional volatility this quarter uh, because of the Chiron and Uranus hard aspects to the moon. And uh, when those come up, I would just suggest realizing that you wouldn't have got upset in the first place. You didn't already have some unresolved baggage inside you. Um, if you were a completely awakened, cleared being who had cleared all of your karma and didn't have any wounding left, then nothing would upset you. <laughs> So always take being triggered as an opportunity to say, okay, what is it in me that needs to be cleared and use whatever effective tools you have to do your psychological clearing work. Um, I have a tool called the healing invocation that I often recommend, as you may have heard a lot if you've listened to this podcast with any regularity. But if you just, when you get triggered, just say the seven words to your higher self, maximum clearing that serves highest good, please. And then rest passively in breath awareness. Uh, you may notice that some healing energy kind of washes over you and helps flush away 
the uh, dark emotions that might have been triggered by an interac interaction with someone or something. You can learn more about the invocations by going to astroshaman.com. On the home page, top of the sidebar, there's a little purple banner. It says Heal and Awaken Invocations. Click that and it will take you to the section of the site that covers all this. The specific article on healing is the very last one in that series of blog posts after you click the banner. So those are the most critical things I think the moon's up to. Um, uh, the next planet I want to talk about is Venus, um, who, as we know, is conjunct the sun and moon in this chart. So Venus becomes a really big player to be the filling in a sun-moon sandwich is to give very strong emphasis to a planet. Um, and again, a very strong sense of relating in a balanced way, as I've already discussed. Uh, the, the idea of creative expression is very strong. With Venus in Virgo, that's kind of the uh, last phase of creativity. It's like edit it, refine it, clean it up. Uh, a great writer once said, great books are not written, they're rewritten. And the same would apply to most forms of creative expression. You kind of get out the rough first draft, it's not that great, and then you refine it and, you know, spruce it up so it's really as good as you can make it. So um, that's a great theme to take forward into whatever creative work you're doing during the fall equinox season. Uh, since Venus and the moon are fairly close together, again, their orb is uh, four, four and a half degrees or so, um, Venus has some of the same aspects the moon does. The most important is the opposition to Chiron. Now, her orb is much wider than the moon's. The moon was about a two and a half degree opposition to Chiron. Venus is about a seven degree opposition. But still, that once again says there might be some challenge, some wounding in your partnerships uh, to some degree, and I've already given you my advice about that. Uh, another way of interpreting Chiron is the healer and the mentor. So if you are a healer or mentor yourself, uh, the opposition to Venus, the opposition is the angle of relating. Um, maybe that's a good quarter for you to step out and do more of that mentoring and healing work, or if you are in need of receiving it, a uh, good quarter the, the fall quarter of 2014 to receive some of that juicy healing and mentoring for yourself. Now, I mentioned Mars as a pretty much unaspected planet in terms of Ptolemaic, which it is. Uh, I'll mention briefly there is a quintile between Mars and Venus, and the quintile is an angle of magical fairy dust creativity and divine connection. Venus and Mars, one of the ways they can come together is through creative expression. So here's yet another signal that great quarter for creative expression. And in this case, not just the refinement of what you've already done, the Mars-Venus quintile can say, hey, even if you're inspired to start something new, that would be great. Um, the main aspect that Mars makes um, is also potentially creative. It's a square between Mars and Neptune, and it's a very tight square, zero degrees, 40 minutes orb. That's two-thirds of a degree. And Neptune can be divine inspiration. Mars can be action taken on that inspiration. Mars is in Sagittarius and very fired up and expanded in that sign. So Mars square Neptune uh, can be used for creative inspiration, but that's not really the main thing I feel from that. Um, when Mars and Neptune are square, uh, Neptune, the Neptune impulses can be really strongly energized. So one of the Neptune's main ways of expressing is altered states. So um, there are, of course, low and high ways to use any astrological archetype. So the ways of using altered states that I have found most life-affirming are spiritual union practices, where you um, do whatever meditative or spiritual techniques take you into unity. 
Um, I'll mention one that I offer. Uh, I've already told you how to get to the invocation section of my site. In this case, you'd go to the first article, and you would just do, uh, well, my core invocation is the shortcut spoken to the higher self is maximum light and divine consciousness that serves highest good, please. Or if you want to simplify that even more, just maximum awakening that serves highest good, please. Maximum divine union that serves highest good, please. You know, the, the, the phrasing is flexible as long as all the key ideas are in the invocation. So that would be really juicy under a Mars-Neptune square. The other or another great way of using Mars and Neptune in square is creative expression. In this case, it's not like you're having to think up the creativity. Neptune is like the muse singing her inspiration, and it just pops into your head unbidden. My clients who have strong Neptune aspects to creatively expressive planets are catching intuitive flashes all the time, usually more than they can even express into the physical world. So under the fall equinox chart with Neptune square Mars, you are certainly empowered to take action on any creative inspirations you're receiving, and they don't have to be artistic with a capital A. This can be any area of life whatsoever in which you feel inspired. Now, I also need to give you fair warning about the less helpful ways that a Mars-Neptune square can manifest. Uh, there can be a very strong impulse to use Neptunian energies on the low side sometimes for people, and these can include excessive use of drugs or alcohol, um, other forms of escapism, such as just way too much TV or food or sex or Internet or game playing, you know, whatever just gets you out of reality, but to such a degree that your responsibilities are not being taken care of. Two other uh, challenging Neptune manifestations can be playing the martyr or victim in a partnership and also just a feeling of aimless and driftingness. Um, also, Mars and Neptune in hard aspect to each other can lead to fanaticism. You know, Neptune can be your beliefs, um, and Mars can be strong action taken on those. A Mars and Sagittarius, especially like this one, can be unrestrained and a bit impulsive. So just be sure that, you know, even if you're passionate about something and, and feeling like a zealot or a, a proselytizer for whatever it is you're really fanatical about, just Take a breath and make sure that this inspiration really is coming from your intuitive side and not just some misguided idea so that you don't fall prey to the fanaticism possibility of the Mars-Neptune square. And by the way, another high side use of a Mars-Neptune square is sacred sexuality. So that can be very delicious as well. And that, of course, can be done with a partner or solo. <laughs> There's many tantric practices that don't require another person. So let's now shift our focus to the United States chart. Uh, when again, when I run the chart for Washington, D.C., the chart has an ascendant of Gemini at 13 degrees exactly, and the midheaven is Aquarius 19 degrees 47 minutes. And in fact, all of the aspect patterns of this uh, equinox chart do involve the angles, which is why I did not mention aspect patterns in just the purely personal section. I did not find any that were free of the angles. So uh, there's several interesting aspect patterns that I see here. Um, one is a T-square, um, where the critical points are the midheaven, uh, obviously at the cusp of the 10th house, Jupiter opposing the midheaven, and Saturn squaring both. Uh, Jupiter and Saturn are social planets, and Jupiter in this chart is the ruler of the 7th house of other people you're relating with that are important to you. So to me it indicates both the importance of getting out into the world, the midheaven, and relating in a good way with others. Jupiter's in Leo, the sign of the leader. So it would appear to be part of the United States' responsibility to get out and interact with its international neighbors, 
in a, a position of leadership. Not that it won't be challenged to that. The Saturn square to the midheaven and the seventh ash ruler Jupiter pretty well guarantees that. But these days there's very little in the way of international relations that aren't a little bit prickly for most people. Uh, another very powerful aspect pattern is a grand cross. Um, we have Chiron at the top, up at about 15 Pisces, in the 10th house, opposing the moon in Virgo around 17 degrees in the 4th, and then the ascendant-descendant axis forms the other points of the grand cross. So Chiron at the top, ascendant on the left, moon on the bottom, descendant on the right. Um, and to me, uh, this gives an opportunity. Uh, Chiron actually is the most elevated planet in the United States fall equinox chart, and the high side meaning of Chiron is the mentor and the healer. So we can very much be taking that role um, with that grand cross. Uh, the moon in a, uh, in a famous person's chart is the public and definitely can be the public in a national chart like this or what's uh, serving as a national chart. So um, that can be that role as uh, healer and mentor reaching many people, in this case not just the people of the United States, but the international community as well. Another really interesting uh, pattern is based on a grand trine that is an equilateral triangle of 120 degree connections. And because of the nature of this chart, the midheaven and the ascendant are trine each other. A lot of people think, well, those should be square, right? It's a circle of four parts, 90 degrees per sector. But in fact, the more north or south to the extreme latitudes that you go, the more the midheaven gets tilted over to one side or the other, at least in most house systems, such as the porphyry house system that I use. So I have the midheaven and ascendant trine, and the uh, other corner of the triangle is Pallas Athena and the North Node. So the most, the only physical body in the Grand Trine is Pallas Athena, so she has to carry much of the weight of the interpretation. And she, of course, is the asteroid goddess who sprang fully armored from the head of Zeus. I like to say she's the asteroid goddess who kicks butt and takes names. <laughs> I hopefully we won't get too much into that, except perhaps in relation to ISIS, uh, the terrorist group. But uh, it's saying uh, part of the opportunity for the United States in this fall quarter is to step up and embody those Pallas Athena type qualities, to be the uh, embodiment of feminine assertiveness. And feminine assertiveness isn't just masculine, take no prisoners. It's, it's uh, assertiveness with a certain level of compassion and sensitivity to it. Uh, Pallas Athena also represents strategic planning. So um, uh, we have a president who's very high on strategic planning. He likes to think his stuff through before he takes action on it. So it looks like we have that base covered pretty well. And finally, she's about uh, practical creativity. So that also can be a very handy talent when you are stepping up and leading in the way that Pallas Athena suggests. Pallas Athena in this chart is uh, less than two degrees off conjunction to the north node of the moon, which is a destiny point. The north node is like the ultimate manifestation of destiny in a chart. So it would seem to imply for the United States that stepping into this leadership role is part of its destiny for the fall quarter. And the fact that the aspected points in the other grand trine points are the midheaven and the ascendant, the two most visible and public points of a chart, uh, indicates it's going to be doing so in a very, you know, obvious and visible way. The other, there's more points to this grand trine. It actually has a couple of kite points in addition to it. 
uh, between the midheaven and ascendant, uh, Uranus forms a kite point, which simply means it's midway between um, the midheaven and the ascendant. Uh, it's making roughly 60-degree aspects to both the midheaven and ascendant. And this suggests that the United States would be wise to take an Aquarian perspective on this, to you know, be its unique self as it moves out into the world and take a very humanitarian goal. Uh, what we're doing to help with the Ebola crisis is an example of this. You know, it's doing some humanitarian work and supporting the countries that are having the worst outbreaks. Um, so um, to be the humanitarian, I think, is, is well supported in this, in this venture. And as far as the leader of the country, Obama, uh, following his intuitive flashes, if he's open to those and receiving them accurately, would be a really good suggestion as well. In terms of Jupiter, uh, which is midway between the Ascendant and the Pallas Athena North Node conjunction, Jupiter is about 15 Leo, um, this is uh, an omen of good hope. Jupiter in ancient astrology is the classic benefic. So it's saying if the United States leads well and is, is having good strategy, then this will bring hope and optimism and good things in the mix. There are other aspect patterns as well, but these three struck me as the most important. I don't want to overload you on aspect patterns. So... Um, I think that should be sufficient for a good look at the uh, fall equinox chart. Again, I've tried to give a, a good balance between how you, the listener, can use this in your personal life and also a little bit about how it might be affecting the United States in general. And, of course, an equinox chart is global. It affects everybody in the world. Um, but, again, because most of my listeners are United States-based and my focus is less about mundane astrology, which is the astrology of global events, and more about um, how the individual person can use the energies. That's why I've given the mix of emphasis that I have. So that concludes my analysis of the fall equinox chart. I offer three main services at Astro Shaman, astrology, shamanic healing, and awakening activation. All are equally effective in person or long distance. Choose one or combine two or more services during your session. Astrology offers insights into soul purpose, career, relationships, spirituality, timing, relocation, and much more. In Awakening Activation Sessions, I help you immerse into your own awakened state using simple, powerful invocations, then teach you how to refresh it on your own. Shamanic healing can reduce or eliminate physical, emotional, or mental issues, and usually results in significantly enhanced divine consciousness. I also offer electional astrology to help you pick the perfect date and time for any important event. And be sure to check out my free services page, where you can load up on free forecasts, podcasts, invocations, and music. Sliding scale payment is available by request. You can get a 20% discount during your birthday month, and gift certificates are always available. I work with clients all around the world by phone and Skype. You get a free digital recording of your session, and I accept PayPal and all major credit cards. Finally, my guarantee makes it risk-free. If you don't feel that your experience was helpful, it's free. For more information or to set an appointment, visit astroshaman.com, email info at astroshaman.com, or call 828-338-9852. I love my work, and I look forward to helping you. We're wrapping up another edition of This Week in Astrology. If you enjoy the show, like my cat does, <laughs> please tell a friend or post or tweet about us or donate to support us at thisweekinastrology.com. 
You can link to my Facebook page where I post daily forecasts from thisweekinastrology.com and astroshaman.com. You can listen to This Week in Astrology on your smartphone or tablet at stitcher.com. And if you're an iTunes listener, please do subscribe through iTunes and help us keep our standing as the number one astrology podcast on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. I wish you infinite blessings as the stars light your way. This Week in Astrology is copyright 2014 by Astro Shaman. All rights reserved, although enthusiastic sharing is encouraged. You can access our free comprehensive audio archive from thisweekinastrology.com. If you'd like me to illustrate the weekly forecast with your chart, please send me your date, time, and city of birth. This also gives you a chance to win a free session with me every time the seasons change. I welcome your personal questions for my live listener consultation segments. I also welcome your general astrology questions and feedback. Just email info at astroshaman.com. I look forward to making you a part of This Week in Astrology. Here's this week's index. The overview begins at 1 minute 33 seconds, Monday, 212. Tuesday, 341. Wednesday, 606. Thursday, 715. Friday, 8 minutes. Saturday, 936. Sunday, 1048. Next week's transits, 1339. Announcements, 1521. And our fall equinox chart analysis, 1729. Thank you so much for listening to This Week in Astrology.